Hello guys, how's it going? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend. I hope it's as sunny, sort of spring sun, isn't it? I wouldn't call it hot summer sun, but I hope it's as sunny where you are. As it is here, I'm Ali Maxwell. With me, George Ellick. George, welcome to The Betting Show. How are you doing? Hi, mate. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. Uh, I'm keen to point out that this... Keen Lewis Potter. Yes, I'm keen Lewis Potter to point out that this podcast is for over-18s only being as it is a betting show talking about gambling gambling comes with significant risks we found out last weekend that it can be very difficult to win betting on the efl that is our mission last weekend it didn't go so well but we do ask on a serious point that anyone listening anyone thinking of having a bet this weekend on anything please make sure that you are aware of the risks surrounding gambling and please please don't ever even think about betting more than you can afford to lose Uh, we've got an international break which means a reduced slate right across the EFL mm-hmm. a cracked slate but George cracked slate's all the rage at the moment there can be beauty in a cracked slate we've got league one <laughs> league two action to get through crack slates are all the rage at the moment that I mean I feel like if there was an out of context NTT 20 account that would be one of the weirdest ones to ever go on there because I have absolutely no idea what it means well it's because you don't <laughs> spend enough time on interior architecture Instagram accounts <laughs> I can't avoid them I can't I can't get enough of them <laughs> look uh, there's no beauty however in last week's picks uh, as mentioned previously put simply I, I didn't pick a single winner winner uh, and you picked one George in Port Vale who beat Colchester United Devante Rodney with a glorious goal getting you up there um, and so it's back to the drawing board really uh, important to get back on the horse and find some winners this weekend it was a crazy weekend in the EFL though right there were 13 odds on favourites in the across the EFL and only two of them won 11 of the 13 odds on fabs failed to win so at least at least what I'm clinging to is if we had done what some people over the years have suggested we do and focus on the nailed on bankers in the EFL instead of our normal approach uh, we'd likely have lost most of those picks as well so um, time for a quick natter through our thoughts and selections for the EFL weekend George Ellick what's your best bet what is your nap it's interesting you mentioned last weekend because midweek followed a pretty similar story as well. Northampton beating Oxford, uh, Swindon beating Bristol Rovers, Blackpool beating Peterborough. Even in League Two, we had Oldham uh, winning against Exeter, Grimsby beating Barrow, Leighton Orient beating Carlisle, Scunthorpe beating Bradford. I mean, <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks, there have been lots of funny results. And it's, That's why it's we love it. Because as the season goes on, it kind of tends to be the case that short price favourites get a bit shorter because A, they normally have something to play for against the poorer teams who who don't and B, because there's even more data there suggesting who's better and who's worse. So interesting that there is uh, a bit, you know, but then natural variance would probably suggest that quite soon uh, loads of favourites will probably go in. But I've pumped for three teams who at the time of recording at 11.25 on Thursday morning uh, are all outsiders. And I cannot for the life of me work out why a team I've just mentioned in Grimsby Town are less likely to win than their opposition in Walsall. Now, Walsall have been on a really poor run of form. Uh, we saw some promising signs from them. I guess that the Bolton game in particular, where they were 1-0 up and managed to squander that 1-0 lead and lose 2-1, having gone down to 10 men, was a bit of a hammer blow. But their their performance against Southend in midweek was, I reckon, up there with the worst performances of any EFL side this season. 
I know they didn't lose it four or five nil, but they're coming up against a South End team who are very, very poor, who we know are very poor, who struggle to create any meaningful chances. South End were down to 10 men after 67 minutes and continue to be the better side in the game. Roberts, the, the Walsall keeper, effectively keeping the score fairly, well, keeping the score at nil nil. They only had three shots in the game, Walsall, all match against one of the most poorest defences in the league. Uh, although recently Southend's defensive work has been better. I'm willing to, you know, when you've got Brian Dutton as the caretaker manager at the moment and the club in a bit of a time of transition, maybe one of the teams who feel like they are clear of the relegation spots at the moment, I'm pretty happy to take a one-game example against a poor outfit and read a lot into it and suggest that this Walsall team could be about to go on a big slide if things don't change. Let me interject because the uh, updated Fox punter ratings landed fresh in my inbox this morning. And just to add a layer of uh, data context, last four matches, worst XG ratio in League Two. Last eight matches, worst XG ratio in League Two. Last 12 matches, second worst XG ratio in League Two. So maybe it's not even just midweek, but a, a sort of a longer term trend downwards. Of course, Grimsby aren't a ton higher up on those XG ratio tables, but they have been in better form, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think Grimsby have, have been much improved in recent weeks. Uh, it's Well, initially they've improved their defensive record. You know, they've kept uh, three clean sheets in their last four. Um, they haven't lost in their last five. I think Paul Hurst is definitely getting something out of his side. And they've missed plenty of chances to win a couple of those games as well. Linnell John Lewis missing chances against Colchester. Name is a fridge. His, his, name, his name is a shop. <laughs> he's, he's built like a fridge and his name is a shop. <laughs> his name is a fridge. Oh, my God. What, what his name? Smeg. Um, Smeg John Lewis. <laughs> standards, standards always start to slip at this stage of the week that is incredible uh so yeah smeg john lewis missing a couple of chances against colchester and, and john Mayer. <laughs> but uh but they got their win and it was a tight game against barrow but a barrow side who under rob kelly have been one of the better teams in the division in terms of the scores spokes with a lovely goal to get that finally get that win and I said it last week, you know, a lot of people have written off Grimsby. I can promise you that Grimsby players, I can promise you that Paul Hurst and Grimsby fans haven't given up hope yet. And this, you know, the Barrow result was one where they not only got a win themselves, but brought themselves closer to a team they're chasing. And a win against Walsall would do exactly the same thing. They're nine points behind Walsall at the moment, win this game on Saturday, and they get to within six, still with eight or nine games to go. So they haven't given up. I think on the balance of play over the last few games, Grimsby are the better side. I think they have nothing really to lose here. Walsall have everything to lose. And a, a repeat performance from Walsall, I mean, and I think most teams would uh, would be heavily odds on to beat them. And uh, yeah, Grimsby at the moment are 17 to 10 pretty much across the board with Walsall 13 to 8. So Walsall very marginal favourites. I'm just not having that at all. At all, I think Grimsby are, are, the, are the more likely team to win it in their man up. One hundred percent. They were they were one of my next best picks, so I can I can chuck an, an extra point behind it. Nap two pointer, next best one pointer. So it's not quite a double nap, um, but yeah, fancied fancied that Grimsby pick. Come on, you mighty Mariners, uh, as we were saying when Ian Holloway was in charge. Not anymore. Come on, the Paulhurst. Now my nap. I mean, before I do this, I just want to. I want to make a, predict- a prediction rather than a betting show selection. And it's kind of harking back to two weeks ago, that lay treble, those double chance picks I put up. 
Uh, and I suppose a reaction to last weekend, what we spoke about at the top of the show with so many odds on fabs getting beaten. I take your point that maybe there's some natural variance at play and, and uh, we wouldn't expect it to continue to quite that extent. But potentially there are some other reasons for it. Um, and there are four League One teams who are odds on this weekend under even money. Blackpool against Plymouth Argyle, Hull against Gillingham, Sunderland at Bristol Rovers and Peterborough at Accrington. They're all around, as we record, the 1.7, 1.8 mark. And I don't really like any of them. And I'm my prediction is, is that no more than one of them out of four will win. So that's my prediction for League One. But it's not my okay. map. It's not my pick. My pick is, well, it's the Entity 20 questions double. Uh, Pompey and Ipswich. Uh, starting with Pompey, my nap. They're away at Shrewsbury. and get 2.2 as we record with Will Hill, 2.1 uh, mostly elsewhere. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I want good energy at the moment more than ever. Uh, in life and in football and in betting, I'm trying to keep a positive mindset, trying to gravitate <laughs> towards positive energy, positive people like yourself, George, such a great guy. Uh, and it sounds I quite... Try. It sounds quite wishy-washy i guess but it's actually genuinely like jokes aside flippancy aside it's having an impact on me at the moment i'm trying to keep a positive mental attitude and and it's been good it's serving me well no one in the efl no group of players has better energy than portsmouth heading into this weekend the impact of danny and nikki cowley we spoke about it on the monday podcast was pretty well it was very very tangible it was very very visible uh, in beating Ipswich 2-1 last week. The result itself, not something that leapt off the page. The third time they've beaten Ipswich this season. So that alone wasn't enough to say, goodness gracious, what a difference uh, between Jacket and Cowley's Pompey. But watching it, you, you couldn't ignore it. And I was spoken to a source close to the dressing room this week, George. And Ooh. all of the all of the noises coming out of Pompey I couldn't be more positive basically again understandable and again this doesn't mean they're going to win every game until from now until the end of the season but I think there's something in it in the short term at least um everything we've always known about Danny Cowley since uh, his early Lincoln days I guess that the preparation is next level the attention to detail is higher than most managers and an emotion and intelligence as well I think that serves him very well and, and has helped him and Nicky get the best out of players that was all stuff that I was told about instantly from, you know, two days at being, being at Pompey. The players were feeling completely different about things. And it's a bit like at school if you had like a double geography lesson with a teacher that just drones on. But you're not taking anything in. You're unmotivated. Mm -hmm. You're struggling to care. And then the next class is PE. And you love PE. PE's great fun. I do. I did. All your mates are going to be there. It's just good vibes. And with a teacher that makes it fun. In fact, remind me, George, what was Danny Cowley's job before he was professional football manager? I think he was a physical education teacher. PE teacher. Well, hopefully he'll be teaching a lesson to Shrews this weekend. Uh, from a Shrewsbury perspective, I don't think they've been particularly impressive in the last few weeks. They had a blip and they've actually picked up a couple more points recently. But a lot of goals from set pieces. They're not generating a lot of chances. The main concern for this bet is the quality of Harry Chapman. Uh, he obviously burst onto the scene having joined on loan uh, in well in early Feb. He was smashing it, wasn't he? But he's still operating at a very high level. And Ogbetta as well, 
a Man City kid who's been bombing up and down the left side, looked really good recently. But generally, I'm just feeling so positive after Pompey's performance last weekend. Uh, I think with the energy that they've got, um, both sort of psychologically, but also on the pitch with the press that was working really well, I think they'll get the better of Shrews. Um, I'll flag up a few Pompey concerns. Ellis Harrison's out at the moment and Marquis, I think, is doubtful. So Jordi Hawula played up front on Saturday and I didn't love his performance. I don't love his fit in general as being, a you know, the number nine in a Danny Cowley team. But the supporting cast were excellent. Um, Ronan Curtis is away with Ireland, but Michael Jacobs is back and fit. Made a big impact off the bench last weekend. And so if Jacobs starts on the left side instead of Curtis, that for me doesn't make a huge difference. I think he's a really underrated player. So... Going for the good vibes only nap, basically, with Pompey, um, 2.1, 2.2 odd away at Shrewsbury this weekend. Next best for you. Cambridge <clears throat> to beat Carlisle. Uh, they're just a bit bigger than 2-1 to one at the moment. Um, Cambridge have been the gift horse for punters this season who maybe don't follow the EFL very closely, but on a Saturday morning, look through the tables, look at the prices and can't work out why a team towards the top of the table are outsiders against one well below them. And generally, you know, I, I would <laughs> I would ward against that kind of thinking because often when the prices are, are like that, there's, there's a pretty good reason why. And, and for much of this season so far, Cambridge's performances um, have looked like they were running pretty hot. They've looked like a team who... Um, you know the the consistency of their of their wins hasn't really looked sustainable. The consistency of Paul Mullen's goal scoring rate um, hasn't really either. But what you know what we always say when it comes down to kind of the data side of things and, and teams running hot is that something's going to change. Either the performances are going to are going to have to improve or they are going to start dropping points. And I think the performances have improved now. And I think that Cambridge are in a pretty strong position at the moment where they have continued to pick up points pretty rapidly during a spell where they weren't playing particularly well. And now they look like a far stronger team. Um, you know, we, we, we've spoken about how Houlihan's personal form is, is obviously at probably a season high at the moment. And given that he's been pretty incredible all season, that is a massive plus. Mullen is going through another pretty rich scoring vein again at the moment. They just look like a side who when they come up against most League Two teams at the moment, are the better team. And that hasn't been, we haven't been able to say that for much of the season. And they come up against the Carlisle side, who I guess are, are the total opposite. They're, they're the side who have consistently been a short price, even in recent weeks when the when the um when the, the form has dipped. The performances at times still looked okay, but suddenly in the last couple of weeks they look very poor. You know, they were probably the better side just about against Leighton Orient in midweek even though they've lost that game. And they didn't create a whole host of chances. They were just the team who who were kind of on top more often, let's say. They were well beaten by Stevenage before that. They're winless in their last three. That that 3-1 win over Bradford, the anomaly, and that was a Bradford side who, again, we expected to have a little bit of a dip at the time too. Carlisle are like 5-4, 13-10 for a side who are really struggling to find a way to win against a side who have made that their absolute specialty this season. Um, I find that price difference very very surprising um you know i'm now having been all season pretty happy to not lay cambridge but just to leave them well alone even when others have been hopping on um yeah i'm ready to get on the horse now which probably bodes pretty badly for for those who've been following them in blind all season but um but yeah i'm i'm, I'm very keen not even gonna do draw no better anything straight up cambridge win at uh at, yeah 21 to 10 is, is kind of the, the best you're getting now a horse named bonner 
my next best is Ipswich Town, the second part of the NTT20 questions derby. Uh, derby? Double. Um, last week <laughs> when they played against each other, that was the NTT questions derby. Uh, they're also the same price as, as Pompey, around 2.2 in general. Uh, they're playing away at Wigan this weekend and partly it's because the value of watching the full 90 between Pompey and Ipswich last week was impressed with Pompey and the energy and all that stuff I said about Portsmouth and Danny Cowley, but fairly impressed with Ipswich as well uh, in flashes, certainly in the first half. they uh, Pompey started the better side, but there was definitely a period for a lot of the first half where I thought Ipswich looked really good and they scored a lovely goal, the sort of goal that, that, that makes you think, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of Paul Cook football at its best. Um, really good passing and movement, um, quality on the ball, imagination, etc. So I'm hoping that Cook, having had a week on the training ground, um, he's talked about basically kind of trimming the squad. He's talked about sending a few loan pairs back potentially early and just making early calls on players who might be out of contract in the summer. He wants to, to spend the last nine, ten games of this season uh, where Ipswich, you know, they are only two points off the playoff places, so I'm not writing it off as a an experimental 10 games, but he wants a smaller group, basically. He's tightening it up. And, you know, if he can get them playing a certain way, um, having had a, a little bit more time to prepare for this one, then I think on a footballing level, I just really like this. I think Ipswich are a better team than Wigan. Um, Wigan, not nearly as bad as they were earlier in the season, but I think maybe haven't got as much better as people might think there's still a team who lose the majority of their games um over the last what is it uh 14 games they've lost nine of them um and they've picked up a couple of wins of course as well so i think on a footballing level i like this i think ipswich are the, the best the better side in my eyes the way is the way that i rate these two teams currently the more likely winners the main concern is obviously the intangible side i guess like wigan are scrapping for absolutely everything certainly at nil nil i think we're going to the sort of side when they go behind they can they can slightly let it slip and and they can end up losing two three four but are these ipswich players scrappers i i don't know it's an ipswich squad that it's kind of let us down let the fans down quite a lot how much is that down to the ownership the management the players themselves that is the the sort of that's the concoction that we can never know the exact percentages of but that's my main concern about this Ipswich side. Can they can they match Wigan for a scrap? Um, I trust Paul Cook, I think, to make sure that they can. Um, he'll be heading back to Wigan, of course. There'll be an extra, an extra bit of spice for him here. But I think they'll win the footballing battle as long as they can win the initial intangibles battle. Then they'll win the war. So onwards, Tractor Boys, uh, my next best. My, my next next best was Grimsby. You've covered that in your nap. So take us home before some bonus picks. Yeah, sticking in League Two and sticking to another team who are judged to be the outsiders, and that's that's Oldham, um, who I'm going to be backing here at uh, about five to two. Again, just taking the win. None Would of that you say, nonsense, George. That as something of an outsider yourself, you it kind of takes one to know one. You can you can pick a good outsider when it comes to punting. It's funny you say that because I've been told often that I'm the favourite when it comes to NTT Twenty. So <laughs> so maybe not. Um, <laughs> You're, you're, my, you're definitely my favourite. I absolutely hate my... I despise myself. Right, this got dark pretty quickly. Um, let's move on. Uh, Oldham 5-2 to two, uh, Outsiders, who... Um, yeah. It, it's difficult, this, because Leighton Orient have made me look a fool twice. And, you know, I don't think 
as far as I know, I don't think Joby listens to our podcast, but we do know him through work at Sky, and I'm, I'm intrigued to next time we bump into him in the corridors in our masks, if he's going to say, oh, I heard what you said about us, because I was pretty clear that I thought they had been pretty poor, and they've gone and beaten Newport and Carlisle away from home. The interesting thing for me is I, I watched... Um, for the kind of research for the Totally Show, I watched uh, Joby's interview after the Carlisle game. And it was positive to me that he was very clear. He, he wasn't fooled by what they'd done. He said on plenty of occasions during the game, he said, sorry, during the interview, he said, you know, we were second best. We we didn't look like the more likely team to win for, for large quantities. He said, you know, our, what he wants to do is make Leighton Orient a team who, when they are second best, are very, very hard to beat. Um, and, you know, that's laudable. And, it, and it's, it's, interesting for me to hear a manager because often especially new managers come in and when they get a, a result they're pretty keen to ignore any any concerns about the performance themselves and focus on that so I think that bodes well for Joby as a manager but I think it also reinforces my belief that the late Orient aren't going to keep winning you know this this mini run of, of two wins in a row isn't going to be the beginning of something where they start blitzing the league and they come up against an Oldham side who I do think have improved a lot under under Keith Curl Again, he, not for the first time, has made me look pretty silly because I said that his Northampton side last year didn't really have a chance of winning the playoffs and he made me look a fool. And then I said that I didn't really understand his appointment at Oldham and, and he's, I think, quickly improved them, at least from that short-term blip uh, that we saw under Harry Kuehl. Whether or not they would have improved anyway is anybody's guess. Um, they were dogged in their 2-1 win over Exeter. They faced a lot of pressure from 2-0 up, which you'd come to expect, but they managed to see the game out. They were really impressive in their nil draw against Bradford as well, where I thought they were the better side. And they just look a team who, yeah, who, who, are, who are doing okay, who are creating chances pretty well and look to be responding to, to Carl's methods. Um, yeah, they're a massive price. They're a massive price. I, you know, Leighton Orient have, have conceded a lot of chances in the last few games and haven't conceded any goals. That's going to end fairly soon. Um, I'd have these two much, much closer in terms of prices. Um, so yeah, old, Oldham at five to two, my, my third pick. Okay, good stuff. Uh, time for our bonus selections. I have got one that I'm quite interested in. But George, earlier you told me you had what you called a funky bonus. And when you say that, I want to hear it straight away. So please explain. It's a goals-related bet. Um, initially, one of my bets was going to be over two and a half in MK Dons against Doncaster at uh, kind of 10 to 11, 19 to 20, which I, I cannot believe it's that price, to be honest. That that just seems absolutely insane to me. Um, Definitely doesn't pass the funky threshold, though. No, but so what we're going to do, Ali, is we're going to back over two and a half at 19 to 20. We're going to back over three and a half at 12 to five. We're going to back over four and a half at six to one. And we're going to back over five and a half at 14 to one. And if you want, I don't see why we wouldn't have the over 6.5 as well at 25s and 33s. Um, so my, you know, have like a, a a quarter of a point on each of them maybe or you might have to structure it a bit differently because you don't really want to be having a quarter of a point on a on a 19 to 20 shot uh i yeah i just don't really get this at all they're, they're two of the most open teams in the whole of the efl um and that is being shown in their results and their performances doncaster under andy butler um their games are just shot frenzies you know it was 18 11 to Gillingham in the two-all draw. It was 23-21 in the Oxford game, the 3-0. Andy Butler seems to be a manager who is completely intent on creating a team who are intent on going forward and attacking and sacrificing a fair bit of defensive solidity for that. MK Dons, we've seen it all season. They are experts at creating opportunities. They leave themselves fairly open at the back. Um, they've got enough goal-scoring threat to, I think, 
break down most defenses. Um, this just seems to me like a, like an obvious game that's going to turn into a complete baseball match. I could easily see it being two all, three two, three all, four three. We saw a four three with um, with MK Dons in Northampton fairly recently. Uh, I can't, I cannot believe that over two and a half is nineteen to twenty. I just, I, I, you know, you often see at this level when you know when when the um, I don't know if it's because of the, the the Butler thing making the um, making the the Donny Price you know base more on on historical data, but it just it feels like an obvious four to six, eight to eleven shot to me, um, and therefore let's just rank all the way up and see and see where we get to. Funky indeed. Um, I've got a, a centre back first goal scorer pick, and it's in the Hull Gillingham game. I said earlier how I thought Hull were a bit too short for this one. I think it's difficult to predict a Gillingham performance at the moment, but that's because we've seen some really good Gillingham performance recently, uh, performances mm. recently, performances that I think any team at this level would find it tough to cope with. So if they turn up um, and start the game well, then maybe in running I'd be having a, a close look at Gills. But clear, clearly Hull are the, the strong favourites here, 1.7 mostly across the board. And that's why... Basically, all the Jill's defenders who pack the box at every opportunity look quite tasty prices to score. I mean, Bet365 have got Connor Ogilvie at 50 to 1, Unibet 60 to 1. I'm going to put up Robbie Cundy here because, I mean, he's 66 to 1 with Betfred, uh, 55 to 1 with Paddy's and Betfair, 50 to 1 with Skybet and Will Hill. And yeah, I just. Gillingham are, are obviously an attractive team for anyone who looks to to back uh, centre backs to score first, and I'm sure there are plenty like me. Um, they're always a team you just automatically check the prices whenever they play because evidently they love to deliver it into the box aerially by foot or by hand. To be quite honest, they generate a large percentage of their attacking output from these situations, and they are very very difficult to handle for the opposition. Now, I'm going for Cundy. Ogilvy's a threat. Um, Cundy is, for me, an interesting one that maybe is a little bit under the radar. In his last 13 games for Jills, now in six of them, just under half, he hasn't had a single shot. That's pretty par for the course for a centre-back, of course. In two of them, he's had one shot. In four of them, he's had two efforts. And in one game, he was like a sort of lanky machine gun. Their last game, actually. <laughs> three attempts. Three attempts for the, for the tall centre-back against Doncaster. So that says to me that there are games where whether it's by luck or by design, you know, it could be that Jills have so many aerial targets and they don't want teams being able to guess who their primary set-piece option is, their primary target, that they mix it up. And sometimes it's Cundy's day to be the number one target. Regardless, he's very tall, he's a centre-back, he trots up into the box for a number of opportunities in the game. And, yeah, it's just it's, it's kind of a price thing. It's obviously because Hull are well-fancied here. They're the more likely team to win, the more likely team to score first, etc., etc. But I can think of a few occasions where the set-piece defending of young Jacob Greaves, who's a young player we like a lot, but I'm not sure he's as comfortable defending grizzled uh, centre-backs from set-piece situations as he is playing out for the back, uh, from the back on that left foot uh, and in sort of open-play defensive situations. So I'm going to be on here. I'll probably have a, a small dart at Ogilvy and Cundy because I'd be really, really gutted if the wrong one scores and I'm not on. Um, but Cundy, for the purposes of the betting show, is the selection to score first. Um, a real sort of differing in prices around. So uh, whoever is your preferred bookmaker will sort you out. But yeah, Robbie Cundy for Jills against Hull my bonus selection so that leaves us with a couple of picks heading into this cracked slate 
this weekend in the EFL. Uh, my nap is Portsmouth to beat Shrewsbury. Uh, I'm also backing Ipswich to beat Wigan uh, and Grimsby Town as well. And Robbie Cundy is to score first, my bonus selection. Talk me through yours, please. Grimsby the nap at home to Walsall, backing Cambridge to beat Carlisle away, Oldham to beat Orient away, then over 2.5, 3.5, 4.5 and 5.5, possibly even 6.5 in MK Dons against Doncaster. Interesting stuff. Well, thank you for listening, guys. I hope you enjoy the weekend. Get in touch with us with any thoughts off the back of this betting show. We're going for a, a better performance and uh, apologies for my blank last weekend, but a good reminder of why we love and hate the EFL and punting on it uh, in equal measure, I think, at times. Uh, all the best for the weekend. Go well. We'll talk again on Monday.